I want to speak to you this morning from John chapter 8. John chapter 8. One of the things I've heard several people say who are churchgoers, and uh, I know that's what they are as churchgoers because of what they say. They say the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament seem to be two different gods. That's what they say. They say the God of the Old Testament seems to be real stern and strict, and the God of the New Testament seems to be more relaxed. And they usually point to this chapter right here, chapter 8 of John. They usually point to this text. But to those, and if there be any here this morning that have thought that, this is, I'd like to point to you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in this chapter. In, this, in these first few verses of John chapter 8, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To see how God can be just and justify a sinner. That is, I believe, the question that is most clearly dealt with in this, in this passage. Now, I'd like to just go ahead and read the first verses and, and just come back and make some comments. <clears throat> Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted in their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest and even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She saith, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. <clears throat> now, these religious leaders, these religious leaders brought this woman to the Lord Jesus Christ, tempting him, tempting him. They, tempt, they brought this woman so that they might have something to accuse him of. They brought this woman, see, they did not believe that he was the Christ. They did not believe, you see that in chapter 7, in chapter 7, verse 41. Some of them said, this is the Christ, but some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? And then look again in, in uh, verse 48. <clears throat> they were rebuking those who had, they had sent out, and they said, have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. 
Nicodemus said unto them, He that was came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also a Gal of, of Galilee? Search and look, look it up. For out of Galilee rises no prophet, and every man went into his own house. They, were, they did not believe that he was the Christ. They did not believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ, and they were going to set out to prove it. They were going to set out to prove that he's not that prophet that was foretold in the Old Testament, that prophet like Moses. They were going to prove it. Their motive was wrong, and they were not interested in knowing how God may forgive a sinner. They were not interested in knowing how God may forgive sinners. But this is the way of religious people. You brought this out, Chris. This is the way of religious people. They don't ask a question really you know they they ask a question because they want to tell you something they want to tell you something this is the way of religious people they do not ask to know they do not ask to be enlightened but they ask to try to trap you in your own words they want to ask so they could tell you what they believe they did not ask how God can be just and justify this sinner how can God be right and forgive sins. Little children, I want to be clear. Little children, the little children that are here. How can God be right and forgive somebody that's done wrong? That's done wrong against his law. How can God be right and forgive someone who has done wrong to his law? They did not ask this question, for they, they didn't consider themselves they didn't consider themselves to be sinners. They didn't. They said in, in verse 41, we're not born of fornication. What they're saying is we're not sinners. You remember the Pharisee went up to pray and he prayed thus with himself, I thank you, I thank you for I'm not like other man. I'm not like this other, I'm not like this publican. I'm not a sinner. And he gave his list of what things he did. They did not consider themselves to be sinners. That's why when John the Baptist came preaching, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, they were not interested in that message because the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world speaks of a sacrifice, speaks of blood atonement for sins. And they did not consider themselves to be sinners. The Lamb speaks of atonement for sins, the shed blood to put away sins. But they were not interested. They were not interested in that most vital question. No, they were only interested in trapping our Lord in his own words. They thought, this is what they thought. They thought they had this imposter trapped. They thought they had him trapped. They considered him to be an imposter, and they thought he had him trapped, had him in a no-win situation. They thought this. If he says, let her go, where is his respect for the law of God? If he says, let her go, where is his respect for the law of God? He can't be a prophet if he says, let her go. Huh? 
He goes against his own word if he says, let her go. Because he said, think not that I'm come to destroy the law of the prophets. I didn't come to destroy the law of the prophets. I came to fulfill. He goes against his own words. He goes against God. We got him there. But if he says, stone her, where is that what he said in John 3? Look at John 3, 16. You all know it, you children. You speak this as a text. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If he says stoner, where's, where's that text? If he says stoner, what about what he said? He came, not to, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If he says stoner, where's that? They sought to ridicule him. They sought to ridicule him. Now, with all this, now I just wanted to point that out just briefly. With all this, I do see a very important question here. And that's what I want to deal with primarily. You mentioned that in, in your lesson this morning that uh, Eliphaz was wrong, but he brought out some right things. They ask a real good question here. I want us to consider this. I want us to consider this. In the book of Job, we read over and over again, how shall man be just with God? How shall man be just with God? Shall the judge of all the earth, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That's what was asked in Genesis. He must do right. He's got to do right. He's got to do justice. Again, little children, God has got to do justice or he is not God. He ceases to be God. He's got to do justice right. He's got to do right. So I want us to see what we have here in this scene. I want you to go in your mind with me to see who's there. We first of all have the scribes and the Pharisees, and I believe they could represent the law of God. They were not able to show mercy. They were not able to show mercy. And the law of God does not have in its stipulation for mercy. The law of God says, do this and live. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But there's no, no stipulation for mercy, no provision for mercy in the law. Do this and live. The law pronounces a curse on everyone that does not continue and all the things that are written in the book to do them. A curse. So we see the law, the law of God, pronounces a curse on this woman. We see the woman. The woman, here's the woman, and this is a picture of me and a picture of you, the sinner. The woman, the sinner, guilty before the law of God guilty before the law of God no question about it caught in the very act of disobedience guilty and she stands speechless 
Her mouth is stopped. She stands speechless. She did not open her mouth to, in rebuttal or defense of herself. She was guilty and she knew it. She was guilty and she knew it. And then we have the sentence. The sentence passed is death. And we have the law of God, the guilty sinner, and the sentence is death. I see this woman brought before the judge of all the earth. They brought her to the right place, too, didn't they? Huh? They brought her to the right one. Did you know all judgment is given to the Son? That's what he said in, in John 5, 22. All judgment has been given to the Son. The Father judges no man. But I've committed all judgment to the Son. So he, they, it's just, this woman's at the right place in front of the judge of all the world. And he's got to do right. He's got to do right. Or else he is not God. Now, had he said stone her, he would have done justice. Huh? That's what we deserve. Uh, we deserve to go to hell. Had he said stone her, he would have done justice. His justice would have been magnified. God must be just. God may or may not be merciful. He may or may not be merciful. Thank God he reveals himself as a God who delights to show mercy. He delights to show mercy to guilty, hell-deserving sinners. And here we have one right here. Right at the brink of going off, at the edge of going off, isn't he? he delights to show mercy. But if he's going to show mercy to this sinner right here, he's got to do it in a way that's going to magnify and honor his law. He cannot do it, and at the same time, little children, he can't cheat. He can't cheat on his justice. He's got to do it in a way that honors his law. His law cannot be violated where his justice is met and satisfied. Met and satisfied. So here we have God who gave the law. It's him that he gave the law, Aaron Mount Sinai. He's the one who wrote the law with his finger. He has defended God. You see, you, see what, you see what we have here? He has defended God. All sin is against Him. God's law says guilty. God's justice demands satisfaction. God's mercy. Can God's mercy be shown? Can God's mercy be shown? If it's shown, it can't be at the expense of God's justice. This is, a, this is what I, I told you I was going to use your part of your lesson there, Chris. This woman was in a case of trouble, wasn't she? She was in a case of trouble. If you go back to Job chapter uh, 5, that's was a, this was a woman in trouble. And they brought her and put her case before the right one. Huh? They put her case before the right one. Trust, put her case before the right one. 
Do you know who this woman is standing in front of? Do you know who this woman is standing in front of? This woman is standing in front of Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God. That's who she's standing in front of, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God has found a way where God can be just and justify that woman. The wisdom of God, Christ, the wisdom of God, and the power of God. We have the love of God manifested toward this sinner. And if you meditate and reflect on this, all the attributes of God are, reflect, are, are brought out and magnified in Jesus Christ and him letting this, setting this sinner free. We have the grace of God of reaching down and rescuing this one from going down to the pit. Now here's this woman. She's guilty, guilty, helpless sinner. And she sees, she sees the man Christ Jesus do something for her. She sees the man Christ Jesus do something for her. What does it say? Great things, doesn't it? She sees him do something great, unsearchable, marvelous, without number. Marvelous things. She sees this man, Christ Jesus, do something for her. And in him doing, and in his doing, he advocates for her. In his doing, he advocates for her, and she goes free. That's amazing grace. Amazing grace. Now, our Lord does not plead this woman's innocence, for she was guilty. Now, the question that was posed is this. Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? I said that this woman saw the Lord Jesus Christ do something for her. And what is it that he did? He stooped down to the ground. He stooped down to the ground. He stooped down to the ground and wrote on the ground. Two times we read that he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Can you see the gospel message in this act of our Lord Jesus Christ stooping down to the ground? Stooping down to the ground. What is this but that the Lord of glory humbled himself and became obedient? I'm going to have to read it. Philippians 2. Look in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who thought it not who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation I'm going to have to read him Charles Spurgeon said that memory loves to be trusted that's what he said he said that memory loves to be trusted 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. I want to stop right there. He humbled himself and became obedient. He stooped down to the ground two times. He humbled himself. He left the glory and came into this world and became obedient, obeyed. He, th he said, think not that I've come to destroy the law. He came to obey God's law, to establish a righteousness. In a, in a sense saying, you're right. God's law has to be established. God's law has to be honored. Before this woman can go free, God's law has to be honored. God's law has to be established, satisfied, done, and every jot and tittle has to be done. So he stooped down and wrote on the ground, Thou shalt not. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And he did that as a man. He came into the world and he obeyed God's law as a man perfectly. So that God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Huh? There's been much speculation as to what the Lord wrote on the ground that day. And we cannot know for sure, but I don't think it's harmful to speculate as long as it doesn't go against the scripture. As long as it doesn't go against the spirit of the scripture, against the teaching of the scripture. And with that, I agree. I agree with what the commentators say, and that when he first stooped down, he wrote the law. He wrote the law. Our Lord said, Think not that I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. I've not come to destroy, but to fulfill fulfill the law to fill the law in the saving of his people God's law must be honored God's law must be established we read that God wrote the law of the Ten Commandments with the finger of God in Exodus 31 18 when he first established the law on Mount Sinai but in setting this woman and redeeming this woman he had to stoop even lower he had to stoop lower now I don't know if you you kept that place in, in uh, Philippians 2 where it said he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross even the death of the cross he humbled himself and it was a great humiliation for him to be a worm but then for him to be turned over into the hands of wicked man to them to do with him to, to vent their hatred towards him who did no evil that's further humiliation that's further humiliation he stooped further when he took on the sins of his people and bore them in his own body on the tree. 
In this, I see substitution. Substitution. I see he was made sin for her who knew no sin, Christ knew no sin, that she might go free. No, that she might be made the righteousness of God in him. Uh, some commentators say that our Lord wrote names on the ground, names and dates. And I'm going to tell you why I don't believe that's right. Although he could have done so, he knows all things as God. He knows all things. But I'm going to tell you why I don't think he did that. In my mind, that seems somewhat like saying, let her go because these are guilty too. But Christ does not advocate for his people on the basis of other people's sins. Christ's advocacy for his people is based on his blood and his righteousness. On his work on the cross. His work of intercession. In Isaiah, Isaiah 53, we have in Isaiah 53 so clearly the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ the whole chapter but let's just read verse 10 yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pressure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Justify many. By his knowledge. By his knowledge of them. By his knowledge of them for him. Justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sins of many and he made intercession for the transgressors his intercession is on the basis of his blood and his righteousness so with that in mind I'd like to speculate also what he might have written on the ground if you allow me a little bit of liberty there. Someone said, it doesn't say you have liberty. <laughs> well, as long as it doesn't go against what the scripture said. But I'd like to take a little time and perhaps I believe it'll be a blessing to you. What might he have written on the ground? He might have written what we read in John 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for that sheep for that sheep or he might have said I am the savior I am that person's surety if you seek me let her go free let her go her way or he might have said oh holy law whatever she's wronged you or whatever she owes you put that on my account Put that on my account. 
let's look at Romans chapter 8. I think this is, uh, I think, very powerful. I like, I like to think maybe he wrote this, a challenge. I think, I like to think that he might have wrote a challenge. Verse 33, Romans 8. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Here's this woman. She's guilty. She deserves to be stoned. She deserves to go to hell. But she's one of God's elect. Huh? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. I'm the one that justifies her. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is ever at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Oh, I think that's, that's probably what he wrote. <laughs> I think that's probably what he wrote. Who's going to lay anything to the charge of this one? I'm taking her place. I go to the cross for her. In Romans 4.25, you don't have to look for it. It says, Christ was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Go back to John chapter 8. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Go down to verse 10 of chapter 8. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Is there no one in heaven that can condemn thee? Is there no one in heaven that could condemn one of God's children? Is there no one in hell that could condemn one of God's children? No. No one. Then she, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Now I want you to see what justification is. He said, I don't condemn you. <laughs> I don't condemn you. She's justified. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now he did not say, Sin no more and I don't condemn you. That's justification by works. Justification by grace is, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee. Now, go and sin no more. You know, I, that woman stood there and saw the man Christ Jesus advocate for her on the basis of what he did. What he did. He, he stooped down. He came down to the ground. For he was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him and go free. Go free. I know what she was singing when she walked away. Huh? I know what she was singing. She was singing. She sang, Free from the law, O happy condition. Jesus has bled, and there's remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, Christ hath redeemed us once for all. I, I, I just believe this is a beautiful picture. I'm just so thankful for it. Beautiful picture of how God can be just and justify ungodly sinner. 
Romans chapter 3. This goes so well with Romans chapter 3, verse 19 through 26. Write that down. Read it when you get home. It goes so well with that. I see how God can be just and justify a sinner through the work, through the doing and dying of our Lord Jesus Christ on the behalf of his people, on the behalf of his people. This is, this is the gospel operation. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.